If you are here for the first time, welcome. We are so glad that you can be part of our, our church celebration and worship service. We, we just want to welcome you uh, and that you, uh, that you experience uh, the goodness of God in, um, in what he has to, to give us today through his word. Uh, so we want to just uh, invite you to be part of what uh, God wants us to hear this morning. As you know, we've started our new series um, entitled Focus, and um, Pastor Joel kicked it off last week for us, and uh, we know FOCUS, the acronym, uh, if you didn't get it, just make a note of it today, is following one course until successful. And uh, we are continuing with that uh, theme for the next several weeks uh, as we look at the Gospel of John and what, uh, what uh, John was trying to um, uh, uh, get his readers to understand about Jesus Christ. Last week, Pastor Joel um, spoke on the first miracle uh, or the first sign that is recorded in the Gospel of John, uh, and that is uh, when Jesus turned water into wine. And uh, if you didn't uh, get that message, I encourage you to go on our website and uh, click on the podcast and you can uh, hear that powerful message uh, from last week. And uh, we heard about Jesus turning water into wine. In fact, what he did was he took something that was common uh, and he made it into something that was special. He took something that was ordinary and he made it into something that was extraordinary. What Jesus was demonstrating and what he revealed about himself is that he was the Lord and, and he was the master of quality. You know, he can take something that is common, something that is, you know, ordinary and make it into something that is special. And God can do that for our lives as well. He can take us wherever we are in our lives, whatever we think of ourselves or whatever other people think of, our, of us, it doesn't matter. All that matters is what God thinks of us. And he can take us where we are and he can bring us to a place of extraordinary things in our lives and he can and he can place high value in our lives you know in life sometimes it's hard it's hard to focus on the right things how many of us have a hard time you know keeping focus on things and sometimes we we shortchange ourselves because we focus on the wrong things but over the next few weeks we are going to look at what the gospel writer in the book of John has shown us by putting our focus on Christ. You know, when uh, a few months ago, my wife and I we had the opportunity of, of going and, and staying in a, in a private game reserve, first time ever. Uh, it was a wonderful experience for us, and uh, we were excited about it. And on the first drive, the game drive, the, the guy told us, well, I, I just want you to know that many people when they come on a game drive, many of them see uh, rhino rocks and elephant trees. And just as he said it, when we went on the game drive, I saw many rhino rocks and many elephant trees. And the reason for that was because of what he said. My, my, my perception of what I wanted to see made me believe that it was so. So every rock was a rhino, looked like a rhino, and every tree looked like an elephant. 
my perception. What does perception mean? The definition of perception is the ability to see, to hear, or become aware of something through the senses. So therefore, I, I was expecting to see these things and, you know, it became real in my mind. Or it is the way in which something is regarded, understood, or interpreted. It was not until I focused on what I was seeing that I just saw it as a rock and as a tree, not as a rhino or, a, or an elephant. You see, focus aligns our perception to the reality. Focus aligns our perception to reality. Focus is not simply paying attention. And many of us who have children, we, 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 we use that word so often. You have to focus. Focus on your studies. Focus on this. Pay attention. You know, we, we, we all are familiar with that if we have children, using that word focus. But focus is not just simply paying attention. It is about redirecting where and what I think and believe. It is shifting from one way of seeing things to another. And this is what the writer of John was intending for his readers to do when he wrote his gospel. He was redirecting the way that people saw Jesus. That he was not just a good man. He was not just a teacher or a rabbi. He was not just one of the prophets, but he was who he said he was. Jesus was and is more than that. He is the Son of God through whom and in whom we have salvation and the hope of eternal life. Now, I don't know if you know this Jesus. If you are here, you have a relationship with him. But if you don't have a relationship with him, today or the next few weeks as we go through these uh, messages in the series of uh, focus, uh, I want you to be open to what God is speaking in your life. I want to encourage you to choose life through Jesus by committing your life to him. The gospel writer of John provides us with seven signs. He talks about seven signs that Jesus did. Jesus performed many, many miracles, not just seven. But John chose seven because he wanted to be specific in revealing who Jesus was. He tells us why he recorded these signs in John chapter 20, verses 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. In other words, what John is saying is that I have recorded these signs of miracle or miracles so that you can focus your faith in the right place and on the right person. Do not be distracted, but focus on Jesus. Redirect your, your, your focus. Look at it differently. Where is the focus of your faith this morning? Faith is a word that we use very often. As, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, 
we read about faith. Uh, we, you know, we hear people preach about faith. We, the, the, the Bible is full of instances of faith or what faith is. And, and I think if I, if I have to go around this room and ask every one of us here, you know, what is your definition of faith? I'm sure we may get multiple definitions of faith because we attach meaning and definition out of the experiences that we have. And therefore, faith to one person may, may mean something different to another person. But the faith that John is speaking about here in his gospel is that of trusting in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, when we trust in people, people will let us down. But when we trust in Jesus, it puts us into a different realm of possibilities of what God can do in our lives. John's signs pointed to that. Why? Because signs point us to where we are and where we are heading. It gives us a perspective of where we are located and where we need to go. I don't know about you, but have you ever like driven in an unfamiliar place, gone to an unfamiliar city, uh, or maybe traveling at night in a place that's dark and, and you haven't been there um, and somehow you get a bit uh, apprehensive because you're not sure where you are, you know, and sometimes you may maybe even get scared. It's like, am I in the right place? Am I in going in the right direction? Uh, but then you come across, as you're driving, you come across a sign in the road that tells you this is where you are. You know, that's, it, it, it'll either bring you relief to know that you are in the right direction or it will make you... Uh, uh, make a decision to do a U-turn and go back if you are heading in the wrong direction. And that is what the sign does. It gives you an indication of whether you are in the right direction or not. If you are in the right direction, then good for you. But if you are heading in the wrong direction, then you make a U-turn and head into the right direction. And that is what John was trying to do by giving us these signs that Jesus performed in his life. John says that these signs are recorded to point you in the right direction so that your faith in Jesus can become stronger. The focus of our faith matters. Jesus is the object of our faith. Not the pastor, not North Place Church, not the preacher down the street, not the preacher on the television, they are not the objects of our faith. Jesus is the object of our faith. So I ask you today, who is the object of your faith? Today we are going to look at the second miracle or the second sign that, that is recorded that Jesus performed uh, in the Gospel of John. And we see that Jesus brings uh, focus to a man's faith through a process, through a journey in his life of faith. And we are introduced to this man uh, in John chapter 4, and, and we need to understand the context of uh, the story that takes place in John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, verses 44 to 45, this is what it says. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet had no honor in his own country. 
When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they had been there with him. See, in this context of this sign, we see Jesus was returning home from Jerusalem where he had performed many signs and then he had stopped over in Samaria and he began ministering in Samaria with the lady at the well and then to the entire uh, city in Samaria. And from there, he, he decided to go back home. Why would he go back home when he was experiencing such a great success in ministry in Samaria? You know, it doesn't make sense. You know, why would God move you from a place of success, a place of where you are comfortable, a place where everything is going well, you know, ministry is good, life is good, things are happening, and God redirects. Jesus went back home, left what was happening there. It reminds me of, of another incident um, that happened in the book of Acts with Philip. Philip was called to go to Samaria and there was signs and, and wonders happening uh, in, uh, in Samaria and, and ministry was going well. And then the Holy Spirit asked him to redirect, refocus and go down a dusty road. And he left what was happening in Samaria and went down the dusty road because had he not, he would not have had the opportunity to minister and bring the good news to the Ethiopian that was on his way home. See, sometimes God would take us from a place of comfort. God will take us from a place where everything is good. And we may not understand it. We may want to be in that place, but we, we know that if we put our faith and our trust in God, if we focus on what God wants for our lives, we know that he sees beyond what we see. He knows what's best for us ahead in our lives. And this is what was happening with Jesus. He left Samaria and he was heading back home. And in verses 46 to 54, it says, Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on, on the way, his, servant, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. I mean, if we read the story, there's a lot of details. 
There's a lot of details that are given. Last week, Pastor Joel mentioned that John was, was intentional about the details that he included in these signs because he wanted his readers to know that these were genuine and not made-up signs, that people could go and could affirm and could confirm that these things happened. The more information you give, you know, you, you, the more at risk you are to being caught out. I don't know about you, but, you know, if you've ever been to a, maybe a, a government institution or you, you, you're going to uh, get some things done at some institution, um, I, I'm, I'm a bit apprehensive to give a lot of information. I don't know about you because, I, you know, the more information you give, the more you get caught out. Isn't it so? Sometimes it's good just they say less is more. The less information you give, the better it is for you. <laughs> but John was not thinking that way. He was giving as much information as possible because he wanted his readers to be assured that you can go check these things out. These are not made up things. You can uh, confirm and attest these things. And the details of this story is so amazing. And we read the story about this father. This father was on a journey of faith, just as we are on a journey of faith. See, oftentimes God will use whatever means necessary to bring focus to our faith. Who is this man? Who is this royal official? Most likely he was a high-ranking military officer or an administrator uh, in the courts of Herod. Uh, he was probably one of the elite members of society and uh, most probably because being an elite member of society, he was not very popular with the ordinary people. He lives in the city called Capernaum, which is about 30 kilometers away from Cana where Jesus was and where he had turned the water into wine. His son had become ill. In, in fact, it says that his son was near death. And he, as, a, as, a, as this elite member of society, he could, have, he could have had the access to all the medical care that, that could be provided for his son. And he may have exhausted all these things, and yet his son, his son still was not better. His, his son was near death. And he heard about this man, Jesus, most probably from the people who had experienced the miracle at Cana previously, most probably uh, from people who had been in Jerusalem and had seen the signs and wonders and had traveled back to Capernaum. So Jesus was known. And he heard Jesus was about 30 kilometers away, and he decided that he would go and reach out to this man. This man's journey of faith begins with a crisis. He was desperate because he had tried all things. Out of desperation, he took this journey to meet this Jesus. I don't know where you are on your journey today. Maybe you are at the beginning of your journey and simply here today because of the crisis in your life. Maybe you are going through something in your life and you feel you need some answer. 
and you have found that this is the place where God's presence is, you can find the answer. Or maybe you are here just because you were forced to come. You know, you better come to church today <laughs> or else. Whatever the reason is, there is a reason and an appointment for you to be here today. It's not simply by circumstance or chance or accident that you are here today hearing about Jesus, hearing about what he can give. And the most important thing, hearing about the life that he can give you. Jesus is here. He wants you today. He wants to be the focus of your faith. So this royal official, he, he comes and he meets Jesus. He lays his request at the feet of Jesus and begs him, come, heal my son. Look at Jesus' response in John chapter 4, verse 48 to 50. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Why does Jesus respond to this man's request with a with this statement about signs and wonders? It seems out of place. It seems this is not the right thing, the right response to give. You know, Jesus is, is referring to the crowd of people. He says, you people. If Jesus was a, a Texan, he says, you all. Am I correct? If Jesus was from Cape Town, he would have said, yalla mensa. I don't know, you can, you can contextualize it the way you want it. But he was talking to the crowd of people that, had, that were following him. He says, he's, he's saying that you people are seeking for a sign. He's not only speaking to this royal official. He's speaking to the people around them. They were people that saw him perform the miracles in Cana, in, in Samaria, in, in Jerusalem. And this company of people were following him because we read earlier in chapter 2 that Jesus had performed miracles in Jerusalem. In chapter 2, verse 23 to 25. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. So why did Jesus respond about uh, signs and wonders? Because he knew their heart. They simply wanted to follow a prophet who could do wonders and signs and miracles and did not want to accept him as Messiah. You see, many people want the healer, uh, the healing, but not the healer. Many people want the miracles, but not the miracle worker. It's so typical of even people in our day. People want to see action, see things happening, but cannot act to commit ourselves to God. You see, these people that Jesus was talking about, they desired an experiential faith but lacked a heart to submit to his lordship. They desired an experiential faith, but lacked a heart to submit to his lordship. Many people want to follow God, a God that provides signs 
a God that provides wonders, a God that provides miracles, but they lack the heart to submit to God. Many people love sensationalism. You know, they, if you look at where the miracles are happening, there's a lot of people there. Where there's prophecies happening, there's a lot of people there. Because people want those things, sensationalism. You know, Jesus had a very large congregation. Jesus had a very, very large congregation. But he had very few disciples. You see, there are, there are people that, that can, can flock to places where there are signs and wonders and miracles. But a disciple will stand firm even when there is no sign, even when there is no uh, miracles, even when there is no physical evidence of things, prophecies happening. A disciple will stand strong because his faith is not grounded in those things, but in Jesus. Because, you know, many times people look for a Jesus that makes me healthy, wealthy, and blessed. But don't ask me to submit to a transformational process that God wants to work in my life that requires sacrifice, that requires obedience, that requires trust, that requires commitment. People love to get words. You know, speak a word into my life. Speak a word into my life. I want to feel the goosebumps. But don't speak about the things that, are really, that really matter in my life, the baggage that I'm carrying, the things that I'm, 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 my pain, my hurt, my unforgiveness. Don't speak about that. I just want to feel good. Let's not deal with what really matters in our relationship with God. Jesus knew the heart of men, seeking signs and wonders only, but not him as the Messiah. The Jesus' response to the royal official about signs and wonders isn't out of place. Rather, we see that Jesus is showing us what genuine faith, focused faith looks like. What does it look like? Focused faith responds in obedience even when our requests aren't answered the way we want them to be answered. You see, this royal official, he begged Jesus not once, but twice, the Bible says, twice he begged Jesus for healing for his son. And Jesus' response was, go, your son will live. Put yourself in this man's shoes for a little while. His son was near death. He had exhausted maybe all that he had to get healing for his son. He heard about this Jesus 30 kilometers away. And he began this journey of 30 kilometers. And those days, it wasn't an easy journey. There was no motorized vehicle. There were no Ubers that he could call up. I mean, it was a, it was a long and tiring journey. And he undertook this journey. He searched out Jesus in Cana. He came to Jesus and he begged him. Imagine that. This is a, a, an elite member of society, a high-ranking official, a royal official. He comes to Jesus, a Jew, and he begs him. And not only once, but twice he begs Jesus in front of all the other Jews who would probably have despised this man because of his elitism. It may not have been easy 
for him to come and beg Jesus. What does Jesus say? Go, your son will live. Wait a minute. That's not, that's not what I expected. You know, that's, I, you know, he, he could have said, I'm a high-ranking official. I made this journey. I mean, I, I came down, I begged you being a Jew. I begged you. That's not the answer that I want. I, I am expecting you to come with me to Capernaum, to see my son, to put your hands on him. I want to see that. And that's not what this guy did. The royal official didn't argue. He didn't gripe or complain. He simply obeyed. He obeyed even when the uncertainty that surrounded his obedience was there. He didn't know if his son was going to be healed by the word Jesus said. But he just trusted him at his word. You see, uncertainty often surrounds obedience. Uncertainty often surrounds obedience. We don't, you know, we usually don't get all the details and all the answers. And sometimes we don't get the answers that we want. You know, we trust God for something and we don't get the answers that we want or expect. But when my faith is focused on Christ, I can trust him. I can trust him because he has a greater purpose in mind for my life. I can trust him because he is good and he is compassionate and he is merciful. I can trust him because he will never leave me nor will he forsake me. I can trust him because I know that there is an eternal reward that awaits me. Why? How do I know this? Because of his word. Jesus said, go, your son will live. The man obeyed Jesus at his word. And I can trust, I can trust in my circumstance. I can trust in my situations. I can trust in my uncertainty, not because of what I see happening, but because of the word that Jesus has given. But what about unanswered prayers? I mean, we pray, sometimes we pray for healing and we don't get healing. We pray for a job and we don't get a job. We pray for this or we pray for that and we don't see the answers or the answers don't come the way I think and expect it to come. The miracles may not come the way I want, the way I ask, the way I request, but it will be a miracle that brings glory to God. Whatever miracle happens and God does in your life, the reason for it is not for you, it's for God's glory. You see, the anchor of our faith is not in the results. Our faith is not dependent on the results we see. The anchor of our faith is in Jesus, who, is, who in his infinite plan know what and when it is best for us. He knows. He knows the beginning from the end. There is, no, uh, there, is, there is no barrier for him. We may not have all the answers, but we know that as a follower of Christ, there is not one moment that God abandons us. He is always with us. The royal official obeys Jesus. 
He returns home, and while on his way home, he sees his servants. They are in jubilation and celebration and excited because his son, the, ser the, the official son, had recovered simply by the word of Jesus. What John says is this is the second sign that proved Jesus was the son of God. See, the healing of his son wasn't the end. Rather, it was the beginning for the entire family. See, the, the, the miracle is not the healing of this man's son. That was not God's intention. If you look at it carefully, what John is pointing us to is the, the real miracle was not the healing of this man's son. The real miracle is seen in the household of this, man, uh, this man's family. This man's family says uh, that they believed Jesus to be the Messiah. That is the focus. That is the focus of John. Irrespective of your son being healed, that is not one which your, your faith needs to be founded on. The, the fact is that that is a pointer to that should point you to the real miracle of believing that Jesus is who he said he is. As the musician would come up, not only in this story is it included to show us the power of Jesus, the power of him as the son of God, but to also show us the purpose of the entire situation what a great ending to the story to know well by the way his son was healed but more importantly salvation came to an entire household in this miracle we see that distance did not obstruct the power of God the plan of God what we see here just like how the turning the water into wine showed that Jesus is the Lord and master of quality. We see here that Jesus reveals himself as the master over distance. There is no barrier. There is no space. There is no obstruction. There is no distance too great that God cannot reach and do a miracle in your life and in the life of people that you love. He is here to perform a miracle in your life. If you do not know Jesus, if you have not invited him into your life, even though Jesus is at this very moment in heaven, when you respond in faith to him as the Messiah, just like that, you can experience the presence of God in your life because there is no distance which God cannot reach out to. Or maybe you know someone that is not here today and they are going through a crisis. They need Jesus. They need a miracle. They need a sign. Whatever the circumstance or the situation is, he is the master over distance. If you believe, if you redirect your perception to the God who is able. 
Would you bow your heads with me? As we ponder over this, it may not be you, or it may be someone else that you know of. God can produce a miracle in their lives. Like this official, let faith produce a miracle. And let a miracle produce faith around us to those that we know. Think about that for a moment. Your faith can produce a miracle. And that miracle can produce faith in others. Isn't that what the story is about? That God, the Son of God, can reach out to whomever, wherever they are, can reach out to you, even in the deepest and the, and the, and the darkest parts of your life that nobody knows about but you, that you are struggling with, that maybe you are ashamed of, or maybe you are not free to speak about. God can reach to those deepest parts. There's no place that he cannot reach. He is the master of distance and space. Redirect your focus. That your perception how you were seeing things be redirected into the reality of what it can be what God can do in our lives Jesus we we acknowledge and affirm your word today we affirm Lord, the faith that we have. We affirm, O oh God, you as the Lord and master of our lives. We affirm that you are the God who can do great and mighty things. There is no space, there is no distance, there is no place that you cannot reach. But the greatest miracle is knowing that to have a relationship with you is all that matters. And not only that, but to grow in our relationship with you. I pray, Lord, for this church, for your people in their journey and walk of faith. Lord, there may be moments in their lives where there may be times they will crash feel like crashing but I know God that you are able to step in and restore that even when we fall we will get up because our faith and our focus is on you Lord through the struggles through the pain Lord through the uncertainty 
even through frustration. I pray, oh God, that you will just step in and take charge. In Jesus' name.